Today's a little bit different. Um, forgive me if, if you're new to our congregation. It's not really a sermon today. It's uh, an annual address to our congregation. But if you're new and you're looking for a church home, maybe this will help you out a bit to know uh, some about our vision. Um, but I want to start off with bad news about the church in America and then give you good news about the church here in Somerville. Uh, first of all, bad news. Uh, in my parents' generation, those who self-identified as Christians attended church on average three out of four Sundays. In my generation, those who call themselves Christian attend church two out of four Sundays. And in the coming generation, those folks, like my children, who call themselves Christian will attend church one out of four Sundays. You can see the steep decline with the generations, can't you? Men are falling away at a greater uh, number than women. Uh, of course, uh, the average church has 61% women in the church and only 39% men. A steep decline in America, particularly upon men. So that's a, a bleak sign that if we continue in that trend, the church is in trouble. Already, a secularizing culture is pushing itself uh, into the church. Used to be in the South, particularly Wednesday nights, right? We're protected for religious affairs, prayer meetings, Bible studies. Now we have soccer practice and games and other things on Wednesday nights. It's just the trend. And now, even on Sunday mornings, our kids have soccer practice and t-ball and games and things like that. The church is slowly being pushed out by a secular world. So Jack Welch, owner and CEO of General Electric, once said, We've got to face reality as it is. Not as it was or as we wish it to be, but as it is. And the reality is we live in a post-Christian world. And we've got to take a stand as the church against the post-Christian world. We live in the Bible Belt here, but it's coming to us as well. The good news. Bill Hybels said this. He said, the church is the hope of the world. You folks, we folks together, are God's hope for a secularized culture. We are the hope of the world. No pressure, though. No pressure. <laughs> but we at St. Paul's, we've seen our own decline in some ways. Uh, in 2012, we had uh, 550-plus on an average Sunday. Today, we have over 400. We've lost over 100 members on an average Sunday. In 2012, we had a budget of $1.25 million. Today, we have a budget just over a million dollars. You can see, the trend has to change. The future's got to be brighter. We've got to take a stand in our day and our time. Some of it's the trend over the, the years, uh, as far as stewardship is concerned, is that the church quit preaching and teaching what the tithe means as the biblical minimum standard for Christian giving. We became ashamed and felt guilty about talking about money in the church. Why? Because we felt pressure. People get ashamed when they talk about money. And so we've cowered back in fear. And St. Paul's, we've committed not to do that. You know, Jesus talked more about the tithe or the, about stewardship of, of resources than he did about prayer. And so if it's important to Jesus... We're going to be people who talk openly and honestly about these things. Um, some people uh, may remember the covenant challenge that we put before you 
uh, a few Sundays ago during our stewardship time. And it was a three-part covenant that we would take a stand by worshiping more regularly. Remember, if you're going two Sundays, we said, let's try three in 2017. If you're going three, let's try four. So one of the pledges, one of the stands we're making is worshiping regularly. Second pledge was to give generously. If you're not at the tithe, then have a plan to proportionally move towards the biblical minimum standard. And number three was to find a place of ministry. You know, if you have a place of investment and ministry within the body, you're not only growing the kingdom, which is what Jesus told us to do, but you're also creating sticky faith. People who invest in their local church, they stay around longer. They're happier with their church. They're, they're committed to building the church up. So those three things. Now, what else can we do to bring sticky faith? We just paid off our debt here at St. Paul's. And we've got beautiful facilities. Yay! Yay! It's a great thing. We've got beautiful church facilities. We've got a beautiful campus. But what about if we became like Europe with beautiful churches and nobody in them? The greatest resource that the church has is you folks. You are the greatest resource, the precious commodity that we have here. There are two types of churches in the world, and only two. Those whose better days are before them, those whose better days are behind them. I think that our better days are in front of us, and I'll tell you why. Because we've committed to solid values here at this church. Last year, we put into place three underpinnings of all that we will do. And those three are these. Well, there we have it. <laughs> that we would be biblically minded, Christ-centered, and Holy Spirit-driven. There you go. Biblically minded first. All that we do will be informed by the scriptures. Hebrews 4.12 tells us the word of God is living and active. Paul in Ephesians 6 says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We are to be people of the book. The Bible is to be our guide. The review of religious research did, did a study on a thousand churches that were growing and a thousand churches that were declining this past year. The one trait in all those churches that were growing is this, and I quote, Actually, I don't quote. I quote, we found it is conservative theology with its emphasis on the factual truth of Scripture and God's activity in the world that fuels church growth. Liberal theology leads to decline, the study concluded. So as a side note, the, the author of the study said, pizza parties, movie nights, laser tag, they're not going to cut it anymore. If we want to keep our young people we need to stop entertaining them and start educating them with life-giving, confidence-building, worship-inspiring theological truth. Amen. Amen. That's it. That's it. That's the key. And so Tina is called to bring sticky faith of the biblical kind into the lives of our kids. Corey is called to, to bring sticky faith of the biblical kind into our youth. But more than anything else... The parents, grandparents, and godparents are called to bring that kind of sticky biblical faith into the lives of their children and grandchildren. So our vision here is to be biblically minded. Christ-centered is the second thing. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Lord. He's our Savior. He's our King. He was before all time, and all things were created through Jesus. 
He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Lamb that gave his life as a sacrifice for sin. He's the risen one that rose to never die again. He is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. He is the focal point of Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, the book is about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his promise to come again to grab his church and take his bride to be with him again. My friends, we will always focus on Jesus here at this church. I went to a church this summer, a large growing church with a heavy, loud band and, and not nearly as good as what Bonnie and our team do, do because they bring us into worship, not overwhelm us with music. Um, but I went to this church, had a 35-minute sermon, Never mentioned Jesus once, only had two references to Scripture, and both were in Proverbs, and neither one talked about God. Friends, if you ever have me or Tyler or John or Corey or anybody else up here on a Sunday, we don't mention Jesus or the gospel, call the bishop, because we've gone mad. We've gone mad. <laughs> we will be about Jesus. Finally, Holy Spirit-driven my friends, without the Holy Spirit living and active in your life, you'll, you'll never make progress. Sanctification only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're not going to be sticky and stick with the faith because you'll have no bread for the journey. He empowers us for the Christian journey. And you'll have no clear direction in your life. Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John's Gospel, the wind blows where it wills. The wind blows in other words, the Spirit takes you on a journey to where God wants you to be. The church must open up her sails, be filled with the wind of God, allow God's Holy Spirit to propel us into our future and to take us where he wills. Twice in Acts chapter 16, Paul in his flesh, in his spirit, said he wanted to go to Asia, but the Holy Spirit prevented him and took him to Galatia. Another time, he wants to go to Bithynia with the gospel, and the Holy Spirit stops him and sends him to Troas. You ever had the Holy Spirit just say, you're not going there. Here's where I want you to be. We should be, as a church, constantly praying for the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. You and your home should be saying, where would you have me go, Lord? What, what, what would you have me do? Where would you have me work? Where do you want me to go to school? We need to be directed by God's Holy Spirit in everything. So what gives me hope is that we're that kind of church, biblically-minded, Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-driven. And I already see the Holy Spirit's wind beginning to blow among us. In 2017, I see before us a revitalized prayer ministry within the life of our church. We've already had uh, folks meeting, and Tyler will tell you more about this, but they've put together uh, a course in Sunday school called Prayer for Everyone. Prayer for everyone. And so if you don't know how to pray or you, you want to re-engage in your life of prayer, come to Sunday school next week and join us. Prayer for everyone. If you look at the history, every revival in the history of the church has begun with saints on their knees in prayer, praying that God will do greater thing among, things among us than we can ask or imagine. It all begins with a cornerstone of prayer. I love what Samuel Chadwick once said, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. 
He laughs at our toil. He mocks at our wisdom. And yet he trembles when the saints pray. He trembles when we pray. I see before us in 2017 a revitalized men's ministry in the church. Fifteen men have been meeting for six weeks on a focus group to see where the Spirit might blow us to refresh men's ministry among us. Our women are already well ahead of us, called to discipleship and other women's ministries, daughters of the king and other things, are already healthy and active in our congregation. But as I said, 61% of the church in America is women. They're naturally inclined to spiritual things, to following Jesus. Men, we're tougher nuts to crack. Uh, We need a solid men's ministry to speak to the hearts and win the souls of our men so that they might become soul winners in our world. You know, from our gospel this morning, Jesus took 12 men and he poured himself into their lives for three years And then he commanded them to to go and baptize and to preach and to teach and make disciples of all nations. My friends, those are imperative words from Jesus. In other words, he designed us to be evangelists. And guess what? When men do get on fire for Jesus, they overwhelm the world with goodness and God's grace and mercy. Those 11 disciples who were sent by Jesus in Matthew 28 today changed the face of the earth. John Wesley said this, Give me a hundred men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. Such alone will shake the gates of hell. My friends, uh, the third thing that I believe will make us a strong church and the reason I feel like our future is better than our past has ever been. Tom Rainer set out three things that cause Christians to stick with their church. All right, one is raise membership expectations. Number two is require an entry class for membership. And number three is encourage ministry involvement. We have all three of these at St. Paul's through our purpose that we adopted last year. Our purpose is our process for discipleship. And our purpose and process is this. We are called to connect people to Jesus, to grow them in his grace, and to apply them in service to the world. Connect, grow, serve is not only our purpose, but our process of discipleship. We want people to connect to Jesus. Now, some of you will will connect to Jesus through worship. You'll you'll get a spiritual inkling. You'll come to St. Paul's. you'll, You'll have a praise moment, and you'll say, man, I want to know more about this Jesus. Some of you will connect through evangelism, through a person you know. You see the faith alive in that person's heart, and you say, I want some of that. I want to be like that. I want some of what she has. Some of you will go to an Alpha course, and we have Exploring Alpha on February 7th. And and some of us can actually invite someone to the Exploring Alpha on February 7th and share with them the wonders and joys of asking questions and having them answered through Alpha. But we need to connect people. And once we connect them, then we got to keep them here, right? So we do this most importantly through our life groups. They are the lifeblood of our community. If you're not a member of a small group, get in one. It's such a beautiful thing. We have grown so much through our life groups. We now have 23 life groups meeting, on camp, meeting all across Somerville. Three more are starting up soon. That's over 300 people meeting in small groups, building one another up, loving one another, caring for one another, and praying for the good of the church. Plug into one. Plug into men's ministry, plug into women's ministry, but find a place to grow in the Lord 
Finally, after you grow in the Lord, uh, we want you to find a ministry of service. Studies will show that if you serve in the local church, you stick around longer and appreciate it more. So Kathy has the Connect 102 class, which is finding your spiritual gifts and then finding a place of ministry. Fifty-four people went through that class this last year. In fact, we had about 54 people join our church through a three-step process. They had foundational faith. They either went to Curcio uh, or they took Alpha or they took basic Christianity. Number two, they went to a course called the Joys of Anglicanism. We want you to be Christian first, then we want you to appreciate the Anglican faith. The history, the tradition, the, the power of the sacraments, the beautiful Protestant theology we share. And thirdly, they took Connect 102. So we're not only training people, but we're developing disciples that will stick around longer. Connect, grow, and serve. So if you don't have a place of service, come to Kathy and she'll plug you in. Remember that's what Jesus said, right? He was asked to sum up the law of the Old Testament. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart connect and grow, and love your neighbor as yourself. Find a place of service. But for newcomers, that's what we do. But for those of us who haven't plugged in or maybe we've been here for a while, I challenge you to take Connect 102 and find your ministry and find a place of growth. So what's missing? What's going to happen in 2017 that will grow our church and make us stand against the secularizing culture? Well, I take you to the Great Commission. Remember, Matthew said, uh, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to Jesus. So you'd think that the next words out of his mouth are pretty important, right? And in the next words were, go therefore and make disciples. I want us to be a disciple-making culture. Uh, I want you to pray about one person who's maybe not a Christian or maybe fallen away from the faith that you can pour into and love and pray for and encourage them to come back and maybe take them to that Alpha, uh, Exploring Alpha on February 7th. Eddie Crosby has a slogan, everyone reach one. What would it look like for every person in this church to reach one person in 2017? Our ASA would be over 800 people in a little over a year. Everyone reach one. And finally, we're to equip the saints, Ephesians 4. Paul says, equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the church of Christ. I want this year to be an equipping year. I'm working on a leadership training course right now that we're going to ask all leaders to, to take part in. And we're going to look at new leaders within the life of our congregation and raise them up and plug them in. And those people who have had ministries for a long time and maybe they're tired of carrying the ball so far, we're going to ask them to begin to train up somebody under them to take on and share that mantle of leadership and then to equip them to do the work of ministry. We wanted to continue to build up leaders in our congregation. And we're going to do that through uh, four different methods. We're going to look for new leaders and we're going to enlist them. We're going to equip them for the job of ministry. We're going to encourage them, older leaders and more seasoned leaders, encouraging younger leaders through affirmation, prayer, and discipleship. And finally, we're going to employ them and give them a chance to share their energy, their ideas, and their gifts for the body of Christ. Paul said, for the equipping of the saints and the building up of the body. So to sum everything up, with our values, our purpose, our membership strategy, 
our building up of leaders and our commission to everyone reach one. Because of these, I believe our future is better than our past. We can't change the past, but we can sure shape the future. Paul encouraged us with these words. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward for what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In 2017, will you press on with me? Press on together. Let us press on 2017 and beyond.